I want to read a scripture to you, if you would go with me to 1 John chapter 1. I'm not going to tell you what I'm preaching on yet. You've got to wait. Now let's start with verse 6. There was a man sent from God named John. This man came for witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He is not that light, but he's sent to bear witness of the light. The true light which gives light to every man that comes in the world. He was in the world. This is talking about Jesus. And the world was made through him and the world didn't know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in their name. But you were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh, but the will of, not the will of man, but of God. I want you to think about what I just read right here. What do you think it was like being God, making Adam and Eve in the garden and having them rebel? And then after that, you know, he, he has to run them out of the garden for the very simple reason, had they eaten the tree of life, they'd have lived forever in a fallen state. So he gets rid of it. He says, you got to get out of this garden. Then he starts working in humanity to bring man back, to have a relationship with man. But for 4,000 years, all anybody ever knew about God was what the prophets told them. They remembered God coming on the mountain Sinai and talking to Moses. And they remembered the thundering and the lightnings because God is an awesome God. But you know, I think that, that in his heart, he always wanted to be with us. Hold us, talk to us, sit with us, spend time with us for us to know what he's really like. So he did something that we would saw crazy. He decided to leave heaven and become a man so that we would know what he's like. No more, no more reading about him, no more books about him, but actually walk down the street and be with us. What a novel idea. But even then, there were people that did not receive him. My sermon today is called, If I Was a Black Man. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you where I got this sermon from. Because as a white person, I am, I am really honored that we have such Thank you for that word. In our church. And I understand what, it's, what it means to walk into a church where the pastor's a white guy and, um, and, you're, and you're not, or, or you're a person of color. And I think that what God is doing in the earth is a very, very beautiful thing. And, and so... The devil has been working so hard to create so much division lately that I want to minister to you if you're a person of color. And, I, and because I've spent some time last week talking about the different things that are going on in the body of Christ, and I, and I know that it creates misunderstanding. And I, want, I really want to just sit with you. So it started in my heart one day as I was sitting at a lunch with a bunch of black pastors. And we were talking politics. And they began to talk about what they thought should be done in South Apopka. And I looked at them and said, I don't agree with any of y'all. 
and, and they wanted to take, and they said, we want a representative from South Apopka. And I said, well, that sounds noble. Well, what are you going to do if a Muslim wants to be the city councilman? And there's no one to run against him. You have, but yet you have a better person that lives in Arizona States. You really, that's not a good idea. Do you all agree with that? That's a good idea. And they, and they looked at me and said that I didn't understand because I'm white. And it really hurt. It really kind of hurt me. I thought, that's not true. And I have found out, and, and not, just, not just blacks and whites, but I have found out that when I'm ministering to women about having babies, they always look at me and say, you don't know what you're talking about because you never had a baby. Well, you know, I don't have, I never had a baby. Thank God I never had a baby. I don't want to have a baby, but I have enough wisdom from the Bible to help to be able to talk to women. Do you think just, and it's not totally ignorant. And then we have young people. And I start talking to young people. They run around these pistol leg pants and their t-shirts down to their knees. And their hair is cut off on one side. And if I had hair, I wouldn't do that. And, and, and they told me that if I want to grow a church, I got to be hip. Well, I ain't going to be hip because I can't get my gun out if my t-shirt's down to here. I got to pull it up. To... And I don't know how they walk in them things. Anyway, how do you? And, and, so, and so, you know, so the young people, when I'm talking to them, they look at me and go, you don't, you don't know, you don't, you old. And I don't like it because I really think that I'm not as dumb as they think I am. Is that all right? So there's this divide. And I saw, I saw a guy, I read a book back at the early days of the racial issues in America. And it was a white guy that really, really, really wanted to know what it was like to be black. He really did. It was a positive book. And he literally, he literally shaved his head and he went and got coffee grounds and he just, he, he soaked his face and his upper body and his hands in coffee grounds until he was really dark. And he moved into Harlem and he sat with the black folks and, and, and he wrote a book about what it, and he learned so much. I read the book. I was so intrigued by what he did. And they never discovered that he was really a white guy. And they accepted him and they didn't. There was no prejudice because well, you just don't know. And he wrote a book about what it's like to be black. And he, and he made friends, and, and it was really neat. And this was, this was when I went to an all-white school, and I had all-white friends. I didn't know anything about black people. And so I read that book, and, and I thought, that was cool. And I got to thinking about God, how he wanted so much to be with us that he became a man. And so out of that, I've often, I've often thought, I, I would like to for a while be black. First of all... <laughs> I love black preaching. Come on, y'all. Come on, somebody. Somebody get somebody. Come on. I love it. I mean, I love it. And, 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 I, and I love black culture. Now, if y'all been in the first service, you, you, you have no idea what it's like to preach to white folk. That just is... But I really would. 
I, I really would because I see something in the black community I would like to address. But I don't want them, to, I don't want my skin to stop it. I want to be able to minister as one of you. And I, and, and, and I know it's not going to happen. But, but it still would be fun. It would be neat. You know, to go into a black church and for me to preach what I know. Amen. And I wanted to be invited. I actually got invited, but they, but they never... They never followed up. They just, it just hadn't happened yet. But if it happened, I would love it. It would just be a ball. One day it will. One day it will. And, and so out of that, I began to think, if I was black, what would I do? Be, because I, I, was sitting, I was sitting in South Apopka. Oh, it's been about a year ago. And, and there was a little black boy at the table. And he looked up and said, I don't know who I am. And it, it broke my heart that he does not know anything about his culture or his history. And all he's ever learned is negative. And it bothered me. And I thought to myself... he's not going to listen to me. And so I just sat there and listened and watched him and and I walked away and I prayed for him. But I've had this thought because in this church, we're diverse and, and, and I love it. I, I've been to Africa. I love Africa. I got to spend yesterday with, with Sony McQuincy and we, and we ordained 30 Russians to the ministry. You have no idea. These people came out of drug culture. They came out of the world and they got born again and now they're preaching the gospel. And for them to get a piece of paper that says you are somebody, it's powerful to me. And I was on the platform with Kevin Leslie and Sony McQuincy, who, had, who has a, he's a pastor with 5,000 churches in, in Congo. What a powerful man of God. And, and, his, and um, the, the president of the country, uh, because he got so afraid of Sony that he set out to kill Sony. And he killed his brother by accident because Sony and his brother look alike. And Sony and his family, he came here, r- r- left Congo with only the shirts and clothes on their back. They went from being very, very, very wealthy to very, very poor. And moved over here to America. And nobody knows who he is. And if he goes back, he'll be the president. And nobody would know. This is a powerful, powerful man. Yeah. What an awesome brother in the Lord. And, I, and, I, and just, to, just to know this man. And I, and I, I, I told um, who he is. I said, you see that guy right there? <laughs> That's the president of the Congo. It's a big deal. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So this is what I would do. Um, the very first thing I would do, go to Galatians 3.13. I want to, I see so much poverty among black people. It bothers me. The government is not the answer. The very first thing I would do if I was a black man, I, I would preach to them that Christ has redeemed them from the curse of the law. Listen to this scripture. 
Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for you. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that you might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The largest, the richest man on the earth is black. Many of you did not know that. The largest church in the world is a black church in Africa. The greatest move of God going on in the world today is in Africa. The, the, Af, the, the black colored people of color are doing more for the gospel today than anybody on the earth. Amen. Who knows this? Who has told anybody this? Yeah. And yet the pastor I'm referring to has not only built a church, he has built a city. A city. And now what used to be, we used to pray for the Africans and the little poor babies that were starving to death, but we gave them the gospel and they took it. And God is blessing Africa. White people didn't bless Africa. God blessed Africa because they came out of that. So I'm going to share some black history with you if you're, if you're a person of color, and I hope that you get honored by it. I hope it honors you. I hope you look at me and go, thank you for telling me this. Listen to this. You cannot get people of color from two people with no pigment. Adam and Eve could not be white. White people have no pigment. Thank you all. Come on, the black people. Help me out a little bit. So you can't have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man create the, the color that's in the planet today. That is impossible to be. So Adam and Eve, I don't know how dark they were, how light they were. I just know they weren't white. And I think one day we're going to get to heaven and he's going to say, hey, bro, I'm Adam. And we're going to go, okay. Now, I'm being honest with you. I mean, I, all of my life, all of my books, Adam and Eve were Europeans. That is not possible. But yet young black people don't know this. Been told all their life that you're a subculture race. No, if I can say, I'm not trying to hurt any white people. We're the subculture race. We lost all our pigment. And in order to get it back, we have to go to the beach and smear oil on us like chickens and turn us on a rotisserie trying to get some color back in our life. So the next time you're riding down the beach, see a bunch of white folks, stretch your hand out toward and say, bless them, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying my best to be as honest as I can. There's another thing about the black, black that bothers me is how we've been taught all of our life that Africa is the, is, the, is the place of mankind. And this is what they're saying. It went from monkeys to Africans, to white people. Folks, no. Listen, the Garden of Eden was not in Nairobi. The Garden of Eden was in, was in the Middle East. 
Black people are not a subculture. That's offensive. If I was black, I wouldn't tolerate that at all. Someone stand up in school and say, stop. That's a lie. The boat from Noah, Adam and it, from Noah landed in Turkey. It didn't land in the Congo. Are y'all out there? So listen, if you're, if you're a person of color, you have an extremely rich history. All right, I'm going to give you another one. Are y'all ready for this? What do you think Adam was really like? Do you think he was a kind of a wimpy little dude? Or do you think he was athletic? Someone help me. What color are the most athletic people on the earth? Black people. Come on, y'all. Come on. I mean, this is not rocket science, but when's the last time out here ever stood up and just said this to you? I mean, come on. You know, you know the foot. You know, if your black guy gets the ball, just don't even. He's gone. Ricochet rabbit. He's gone, baby. And, and, and when black people play basketball, you shouldn't raise the goal. I mean, my God, they're shooting from above the thing. Basketball was made for white folk. When black folks shoot, they jump above it and two drop the ball down in it. And that's not right. <laughs> you guys have a have a you guys have a fantastic culture. And nobody nobody's ever sat down and said this to you. Something to something to be proud of. It is. They're doing better than I, I, I went back in the last time we had Black History Month and I began to study. In 1960s, in the 50s and 60s, the black family was the most close-knit moral group in America. More than whites. I don't know what happened. I haven't studied that, but I'm going to tell you something. Black families are closer-knit and more family-oriented than anybody else in this nation. And, um, and, and some of that's been lost. And my heart goes out to them because, because somebody lied to them. Somebody's messed it up. But, but my heart is to come back to that. And I want you to think about what it was like to be a slave in America. The, the, the black culture, their walk with God, they, they've always been strong in their faith in God. What do you think it's like to have a baby picking cotton? And when you have the baby, you put it in the cotton bag and you go back to picking cotton. You, you, there ain't no wimpy woman doing that. So the, so the black music came out of that era of their life. And their Christianity was, was very strong. And black music came out of that. Have y'all know, did y'all even know that? I wanna, there's so many, so many powerful men, black men have raised up in American history that changed, that changed the nation for the good. 
And you've heard me say this. George Washington Carver was a black slave that saved the South from financial ruin. Is that not funny to you that the, that the Democratic South who embraced slavery was saved by a slave? Who rose up and, and made sure that it didn't go bankrupt? How many young black people know this? Uh, jo- um, ben Carson. I was listening to him on TV one day and he made a statement. He said, I wished that the young people of my day understood how many black people have, been, have changed America for the good. So many. Now, I, I've done my best to study some of them. I don't know them all. Um, I, wanna, I, w- I really wished I did know them all. More of them than I know. Um, one of them that I have studied some is Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. Um, I want to tell you something Booker T. Washington said. He said, I'll permit no man to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. And then he said, associate yourself with people of good quality. It is better to be alone than with bad company. These these men, now I'm going to say something here and I don't want to lose y'all now. The Republican Party was started to end slavery in America. And, And all, all of the senators that changed it were African Americans. Did y'all even know that? Now, I'm going to say something here. This may blow your mind. When I grew up, the South was predominantly white Democrat. Who changed that? Dr. Martin Luther King. We saw the era of our ways. This, listen, There were black people and white people marching in the streets. And I say that to you as black people. Don't forget, there were white people marching with you guys. And I want to say something else for the whites. A lot of white people died in the Civil War. This is not about white, blacks, and whites. There's a lot of white people laid their life down. And white people began, they were the the ones that stopped slavery, not black people. So when you say y'all whites, that's offensive. Because, because we, there's a lot of us that love you guys to pieces. We actually love, we love you guys. And I say that, (laughs) Ronald, I love you. Isn't that precious? You know how much fun that was to go out with those guys that day and shoot and and hang out. It's to me, you have no idea. Now, and I must say this from my heart because I want y'all to know. It's a big deal for me to stand at the door and have people every, I mean, I'm talking about white kids, black kids, Spanish kids, come just hug me. Because Dr. King would give anything to see this. And what concerns me is that there's people right now trying so hard to, to bring that division back. And I hate that. I hate it. And, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm saying this from my heart, very hard for me to stand up and preach 
what I have on, on, on the, the wickedness that the left brought to the Democratic Party. And for you guys to think that that's, I'm being racial. I'm not being racial. But, but yet, you have to understand, I lost friends. Because I, I'm going to obey God. Are y'all okay with that? We have kids in this church, and I'm talking black kids. They're smarter than I am. I'm being serious. I, I, I don't want to, I was, I was going to get permission, but Shirley, Diamond is in school. This girl, nobody, no one gave her that diploma. She earned that. How offensive. She is, that girl is so smart. I'm in, huh? She's going to medical school. I'm intimidated being around her. I'm being serious. You, have, you know, you look around, you look around this church. There are kids here. Nobody's giving them anything. And, and I'm going to tell you something else. When, when we watch black men come in this church, um, like Willis Bevel, no, this man, this man has built a business because he is a very smart man. And he's to be respected for that. He's to be honored for that. No white guy put him where he is. That's offensive. <laughs> Come on, y'all. And we've got kids in this church. I mean, I'm sitting there watching them on YouTube and they're, and they're talking about they play chess. I don't play chess. I play checkers. Do, do you understand? There are kids. And I, I want to sit with them and just hold them and go, do you know who you are? Don't ever let anybody put you down or you, or you grow up. And, and I'm going to ask you if you're black to do something. Don't, do not create division in these kids' minds. Yes, yes. Thank you. This is the first time in my life where I have seen white kids and black kids sitting down together, making friendships together, and doing things together, and color is not an issue. And I love it. I love the other day, Lisa took Shantae and Maybelle, and, and she came home, Nicole, we have to include Nicole. And she came home and she said, she said, my girls... Oh, well, how sweet is that? It, it's funny. I got to tell, tell you this story because when I did work construction, God put me on an all-black crew. Now, that, that was in order to teach me a culture I didn't know much about. And I'm going to tell you, at first it was very, very hard because they wanted me to pay for everybody that ever got brought over by a boat. And they, they were rough with me, and, they, and it was hard. I mean, it was hard. I, I mean, I learned, I learned, I was honky. I, was, I mean, all kind of stuff. I found out what a honky was. Y'all know what a honky is? 
It's a, it's a white guy that goes to pick up a black maid and honks the horn because he's afraid to get out of the car. Uh, that's what I heard. I don't know. That. They, they told me that, and I thought, Honk, and they, they would say, hey, honky, because he, he, ain't, he ain't getting out of the car in the black section of town to pick up his maid. Well, I learned that from the black guys. But, you know, I sat with these guys for years, and we, and we sat around and talked about Jesus, and I had the great joy of, 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 of us becoming friends. And they stopped being black people, and they started being Omar and Twig and Wilbur and Charlie, and they became friends. And so Omar was, was a black panther. Well, he wasn't a black panther, but he was very leaning that he hated white folk. He hated white people. And I'm working with this guy every day. And at the end of a couple of years, he walked up to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, what you got, Morgan? And I don't know what he means by I said, I don't know. What are you talking about, Omar? He said, you got something I wanted. And he was being so sincere. He said, Morgan, we give you hell. I said, yes, you do. He said, but you don't rattle. And I want what you got. And I says, well, come to a popcat. He said, I ain't coming to a popcat night. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He said that. I said, Omar, this, no, come on. He came and Lisa and I cooked dinner for him, got him back in fellowship with God, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. He ended up pastoring a church in Claremont until the day he died. He died at 50 years of age. Um, and I got invited by his wife, Brenda, to do his funeral. And, and I walked into a totally black church, totally black church. And they set me on the back row. They just said, you sit here. And I did. 500 people, black people tell you to sit down. You sit down. <laughs> you don't ask why. You just said, that's I said, right. And so Brenda gets up there and she says, I've been looking for my guest speaker today and I don't see him. And I said, I'm, I'm back here, Brenda. And so they escorted me up to the front and, and with fear and trembling, I'm in a, I, there's 500 black people in this church and I'm looking, where's the door in case I got to run. And I said, Lord, what do I say? And there, I mean, there's people not happy. And I said, I know you're wondering who I am. I'm Omar's brother. I mean, it looked like hit, sun hit ice cream in that place. And they went, yeah. And I loved it. I, I preached his funeral and I told him about how Omar got, how I was instrumental in getting Omar back right with God. And I know he's with Jesus. And him and I did mission trips together. And, and I left with my life and I was so happy. I did want to tell you this about black funerals. They last all day. All day. That's one place I'm glad I'm not black. I just don't think I can do an all-day funeral. When, I, when my time comes, just go ahead and put me in the ground, say hallelujah, man. Get the potato salad and let's go. Praise the Lord. I'm gone. Amen. Anyway. I say, I, I'm, I'm saying all this because, because you, you know, as, as, a, as a white person, I'm, I'm finding it difficult at times 
Because when you throw up the you don't know, you white. Well, I have no, there's nothing I can say to that. And then then everything becomes a racial issue. And and, And I have to stop and go, there's nothing I can do. Let's, let's, let's go on. Um, how many of you have ever heard of Motown? Are y'all out there? Marvin Gaye. Four Tops. The Temptations. Diana Ross and the Supremes. Smokey Robinson. Ray Charles, Louis Armstrong. That's all I could get on the paper. You know, I, I grew up in a culture where, where God used black talent. And black people were very, very talented people. And, and I mean, I grew up in an era where the music was good. And, and Lisa and I would be sitting there and they'll be doing that on television. I start singing a song. She goes, you know those songs? I said, I know all those songs. <laughs> I love that era and I, and I still do. But, but, but if you're a person of color, you have a very, very rich heritage. Now, what about today? What about Hezekiah Walker? What's, I don't, what's that flash? Flash mob. Flash mob. I love that. I love that flash mob where he's outside and, and, all, and everybody's starting to get down. And, 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 and you know, I, I like that. And I'm thinking, look how many people of color have brought so much to Christianity and to the music world. Uh, there's another one here. Um, Andre Crouch. Kurt Franklin. Come on, guys. What about preachers? I went to Ramah, and I, and I brag on the fact that Kenneth E. Hagin is my spiritual father. But I got to tell you that Kenneth Hagin didn't teach me faith. Fred Price did. I'm, not, I'm just telling you the honest truth. I sat there and listened to Brother Hagin, and I love that old Texas man. I mean, I really do powerful man of God. But I mean, it was when Fred Price broke it down for me, I went, ah, I get that. And so, you know, we have a history. What about Bill Winston? I, I, I wanted so much to help these black pastor friends of mine and they weren't listening to me. So I got them some Bill Winston CDs. They didn't listen to any of them. It made me mad. I love Bill Winston. What a powerful man. T.D. Jakes, Bishop Keith Butler, many of you don't don't know this person, Benson Idahosa, he's raised up in Africa, more preachers. Folks, listen, I'm telling you, if you're a person of color, you have a powerful heritage, something to be proud of, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Don't allow anybody to put you in a class that somehow or another, that, that, that you, you're not unable without the help. And, and so in this last election, it's offensive to me. 
that people are telling you that you have to have the government. No, you don't. You're smart enough. That's, that's racist. That's offensive. All right. I've got to change the page here in a minute. I've got to make sure I've gone over all my notes. I want you now to go with me to Genesis 45. So far, have I done okay? All right. You guys have no idea how difficult this is. It's not difficult in this church, but... I got to mention one more guy. We have a man in this church, Bruce. Um, Bruce Zellers. Uh, and he knows that he's out there looking at me right now on the screen. Just love this man. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm spending time with him in Louisiana. What was it like to grow up with a white daddy and a black mama? How much does a person like that have to overcome even in their soul? And I, and I don't know. But, but, you know, if you get to know the man... And he's out there right now, and he's going to, I don't know what he's going to say to me when we leave. What an what a awesome guy. You know, and, and, and it, 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 it hurts me to think that someone would, would treat him badly. Do you all see that? Okay. Now, I'm going to give you an answer here, and I want to show you one thing as we close. Or begin to close. It may take a few minutes. Genesis 45. Let me go back and read something. Dr. King. I have a dream that one day the nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of the creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character. That one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and little black girls will join hands with little white boys and little white girls and call them sister and brother. You know, when he said that, people hated him for that. No, but he's he's to be honored for that. Now, I want to read something because I'm going to minister to you a little bit more and and I want to ask you to do something. Genesis 45, 1. Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go from me. And no one stood with me while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? And his brothers could not answer him. They were dismayed in his presence. I want you to get a picture of this. Here's a man that his brothers, and rather than kill him, put him in a pit and sold him into slavery. And they thought he was gone. Now later, there's a famine in the land. And all of a sudden, they've been taken to Egypt. And the man's second highest command is the man we sold into slavery. 
and they're going, oh God, we are toast. You think they were afraid? Oh, you bet they were afraid. Now, I want to read to you what he said, though, because I want you and I to adopt this. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. God sent me here to preserve life. I do not have the answers for what happened in America. I don't know what happened. I was not there. But I have to believe that somehow or another, God had a plan to bring black people into America. And somehow or another, this was going to work out toward the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe that. And so I'm going to ask you to do one favor. If you're a person of color, the next time that you're home watching Mississippi burning, if you'd have never watched, you never seen it? It's about how the whites went down and, and, and the South and killed black people and, and the FBI had to get involved. And it was a time of, the, of racism in America. It was very bad. I'm asking you not to walk away from that movie angry. When you hear things that are going on in America, I'm asking you, don't become angry. Don't allow bitterness and anger in your soul. Here's why. All of us in this room, black and white, are sinners in the presence of an almighty God. And the only reason any of us have ever been accepted is because of the blood of Jesus. There is nobody in here better and there is nobody in here worse. And that when someone does you wrong, I want you to forgive them. I want you to remember Jesus on the cross. And they nailed him there and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is a very difficult assignment I just gave you. Because you are going to be offended while you live on this planet. And right now, there are people in this nation, they are working overtime to create racial divide again. And, and is there issues? Yes. Though there's issues. But, in the, but, but, but listen, that's an $18 sin. And God has forgiven you billion dollar sins. All of us. We do not have the right to hate. Amen. Anybody. And I'm pleading with you as a white man. Put your rocks down. Put the rocks down. If I have to stand here as a pastor and preach on right and wrong, and your particular party is killing babies... I'm not racist. I love you guys to pieces. I really, really do. Now, let me include the Spanish people. I love you tacos, man. Yo quiero toca lengua con cilantro. Salsa verde. Gloria a Dios. 
<laughs> and everybody Spanish went, Amen. And if you don't talk, talk a lengua, talk a pastor. Can I tell y'all a story real fast, real quick? This is funny as I'll get out. Y'all remember, what's his name from Texas? Um, Profeto. I picked him up at the airport and I said, hey, you want to go get tacos? And he goes, no. And I went, okay. So we went to get something, white people food. And so we were in the church one day and I looked at him and I said, you sure you don't want to talk a lengua? He went, Taco lengua? Taco pastor? Con cilantro? I said, si. He goes, yes. He said, I thought you were talking about gringo food. He said, I don't want to go to Taco Bell. And so we went to a little Mexican restaurant. And man, he thought he died and went to heaven. I said, I don't need gringo food. I said, Lisey's Taco Bell. I don't need a Taco Bell. Okay, y'all have been very gracious to me. I ask you for one thing. I want you to do something with this church. I want you to keep love as the predominant reason we meet. There will always be issues. Do you understand? There, there will be issues. In the days ahead, stuff will come up. I have lost a lot of friends of color because of these elections. And I'm not going to stop praying for them. I'm not going to stop loving them. I don't agree with everybody. And, I, and it saddens my heart to see what's happening in this nation. But I'm going to ask you that it not happen here. Some beautiful people go to this church. And I have a desire to reach a whole lot more people. And I'm going to need your help. I want to set a standard that when people walk in here, they don't see racism at all. Is that a, no, is that a noble goal? If you're a, if you're a person of color, I want you to know, teach your children. Teach your children your history. Teach them what God has done through your culture. Let them, let them walk with their, with their head up and be proud. You're no second-class citizens in this place. God makes no mistakes. He didn't make black people and go, oops. Bert, that group. I told you I worked with black folk before. I'm telling you. You have no idea. It thrills my heart to see my grandson, Cody, and Lindbergh becoming friends. You really, you have no idea. It's just, it's just precious to me. How many of you guys understand, appreciate what I did today? Now, I'm going to pray over America right now. And I want you to pray with me. I, I, Satan is the divider. He is such a sorry dog. Yes, he is. I agree. So let's pray. Father God, 
I, I took this message and I, and I really preached it with fear and trembling because I understand that this, this is a big issue today in America. Father, I, I'm watching my nation and I'm watching it. I'm watching the devil try everything in this power to create divide. I'm asking that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would begin to rise up and come against this division to love one another as you said. They will know us by our love. I come against racial division in this nation and in the political arena in Jesus' name. I don't understand everything people do or why they do it, but I understand right from wrong. And Father God, as a church, as, as the church in America, I pray that the pastors in this nation, both black and white, would stand up in their pulpits and come back to preaching the word of God. Because you so love the world, all of us, that you sent your son for us. And then you said that there is one family in heaven and earth, not three or four different families, one family. And then you said in 1 Corinthians 5, we know no man after the flesh. Father, if, if people are in here today that are people of color, I'm asking that they go home today with a greater sense that of, of worth, that the young people in this church grow up with a greater sense of worth and to know that hate does not breed love. That's a quote by Dr. King. And Father God, I pray over this church and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank y'all. God bless everyone. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.